0: physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited. Today, I have my friend Amy Silvis with me. Um, Amy, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's really an honor to be here. Uh, I just align so closely with your values. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, So my name is Amy Silvis. I live out here in Los Angeles, California with my husband. We are avid travelers, college football fans. Uh, We are very entrenched in various charities here, both uh, locally and nationally. And I run a real estate investing firm where I connect investors to passive investment opportunities in the commercial real estate space.
0: I love it. And I think there's a lot of myths in that space. So you and I are gonna bust some of those. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we do, first of all, I wanna acknowledge that you and I connected through Bob Berg. So um, we are both avid go-givers and and that includes John David Mann. I always have to acknowledge the co-author because I'm sure he's the one who wrote the actual parable. Um, But I love the fact that as a go-giver, I reached out to you and you said, hey, let's get on a call. So I'm going to ask you the burning question, and then we'll talk about some other things. But why did you switch? You worked in biotech. Why did you leave a job to invest in multifamily um, commercial dwellings?
1: Yes. So I will try to keep this as concise as possible, and feel free to ask follow-along questions I was born with a life-limiting genetic condition called cystic fibrosis. And for those who don't know about it, it is a lung condition. And in 1981, when I was born, my parents were told I would live to be around nine years old. I'm 42 now, and I gladly show my (laughs) gray and my wrinkles. Yeah, it's a blessing. But here's the thing. Until a few years ago, when I received a miraculous medication, I wasn't sure how long I would be able to trade my time for money. Cystic fibrosis is characterized by two to three week long hospitalizations for virulent pneumonia in and out of the hospital, and then eventually needing possibly a lung transplant. I'm not trying to be a downer, just painting the picture of, hey, I love to be self-sufficient. The last thing I wanna do is depend on my parents after they raised, you know, a disabled child and go back as, a, as an adult, ask for money. So I was really looking for this holy grail of, hey, how am I gonna be able to pay my bills when I'm sick or when I'm too sick to work? So I read that purple book called Rich Dad Poor Dad that some may have heard about. And this concept of passive income blew my mind. I, I was raised in a middle-class household, investing maybe outside of some retirement funds, wasn't within my purview. But as I kind of went down that rabbit hole, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can find a way to earn income while I sleep or travel or I'm sick. And then obviously, just as important, give back to my investors and, of course, the communities that we take care of at the same time. So that was a mouthful, but that's (laughs) essentially my story there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I think that's the, the optimism that seems to be in and in, in amongst the Go-Giver community. It's, it's that recognition, here's the circumstances, I can sit and be the victim and say, woe is me, or I can find a solution. And I love that. Um, you know, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that inspired me in many other ways and, and things like that. So um, I think that the fact that you're a go-giver and you're looking for that, you know, investment in that passive income. Um, so let, let's talk about that, because I think, you know, I deal with a lot of successful entrepreneurs, um, but I also have a lot of connections who are probably in your sweet spot, the medical space, you know, they, they put all of their time, energy and money into their business and then some health inj- event happens, you know, with entrepreneurs, sadly, it's usually, you know, a near fatal heart attack. And then they're like, oh, my God, what happens when I can't keep doing this?
1: Yes.
0: Um, so I, I love the, the the diversity of a portfolio. Um, you know, and I'm not a huge fan of the stock market because, you know, there's limits to how I can influence and, you know, I'm trying to time it just like everybody else. So, um, real estate is one of my favorite conversations and, and I think you and I are going to have some fun. So, um, let's talk about your choice to get into the multifamily and, and clarify that. And then let's talk about, um, what you're doing, what you're looking at and why somebody would want to talk to you in the first place.
1: Sure. So, yeah, multifamily is industry jargon for apartment buildings, where anything other than a single family house that isn't owner occupied. So, we actually buy 100 plus apartment buildings, 100 plus units apartment buildings. And, you know, there are several parts to why I chose this section of commercial real estate. The first is the ability to have impact, as I mentioned, we can form communities. There are many ways to be an investor, I have chosen to tell my investors and for my own portfolio, hey, we're gonna make money, but we're not gonna squeeze every single solitary penny out of each resident and rob them of their humanity. So we're going to be profitable, but we're also going to care for the grandma that's ill and not evict her if she misses her payment in two or three days, like you know, the law would allow us to, or the disabled person who's having trouble accessing their unit uh, because they're wheelchair bound, we're gonna make sure that they have what they need to live a dignified life. So the ability to really balance uh, profit and community, and as you mentioned so eloquently, being a go-giver, we believe, and we have seen that this is possible as investors. So um, I'm sure we can have impact in the, you know, office space or, you know, maybe self storage, but it's a little bit different than providing safe, clean housing to families where lives are lived.
0: I love that. And I'm kind of reconciling a landlord with a heart, you know, usually it's, you know, that, that stereotype of, you know, evict you at midnight because you didn't pay the rent or, you know, it's, it's, I mean, life happens and, and, you know, when people are renting, one of the things that a landlord can give them is dignity.
1: So important. It's, it's uh, to have that purpose. And thankfully, our investors are aligned, right? We're not for everybody. There are some people I speak to that are interested in investing alongside us that want maximum return no matter what. No judgment, no comment for me, whatever. We're just, th- this is what we do. So either you fit or your values align. And if not, no harm, no foul. There are lots of other opportunities out there.
0: I and I love that value alignment because not everybody is going to want that. I mean, that's you know, some people out of necessity or just whatever's going on in their life, they need that maximum return, and you know, they have a you know, I call that impatient capital. They're looking for that quick, quick, big return, and yes. I I don't suspect that that's your strategy. Is that fair?
1: <laughs> it's very, very fair. Yeah, real estate. This is not a get rich quick. This is a slow and steady, calm money as the term that I use. And that's, you said it very perfectly, you predicted that. So yes, that's exactly what what this space is for us and for our investors.
0: I love it. Now let's talk about your investors as human beings because something tells me, Amy, that you've got a community of investors and you, you care about that community. So how does somebody know that they belong in your community?
1: absolutely you know so i can give you some common characteristics obviously one is those values and the desire to have a positive impact while making income folks that are typically um, individuals that are as you mentioned earlier that are looking to diversify their investments some people like all being all in on the stock market or with bonds again no judgment i don't ever give financial advice but some people are eager to have some diversification, some tax benefits, um, et cetera, in, in that way. And then also people that are looking to buy back their time. So we talk about how another stream of income can allow our investors to maybe choose a job based on their heart instead of their pocketbook, or maybe mix that a little bit more. So you mentioned healthcare providers. I have a doctor who does incredible things in the medical community. And he wants to continue to do that and for his job to be based on his impact and have a lot more flexibility with his income because he has other streams of income coming in from these investments. So I would say those are common characteristics of folks that fit well in our community.
0: I love that. And I think for me, it's that freedom because I see a lot of business owners and and I am a big fan of diversification. Um, I see a, a, a local business and 100% of their retirement is in that business. I cringe because it's like, you need, you know, what happens if you get sick or the economy shifts? Um, I once had a client who worked his entire life in the oil and gas industry, and his investment advisor thought fit to invest 100% of his portfolio in oil and gas well, when the oil and gas industry dipped, his portfolio just tanked. And, you know, he came into my office, he was 71. And he's crying because, Mm. oh, my God, I I don't know how I'm going to keep working. And, you know, Mm. I think diversity is a good thing. And what I like about real estate, and I'm going to say this not perfectly, but it's kind of if you do it right, it should be very boring. You know, it's like, you know it's like depositing money in the bank and just forgetting about it but you know you've got appreciation and active you know the the income from the rentals happening in the meantime
1: that is so well said yes having at least for me again i just give education i don't give advice but non correlated assets um even in my retirement account a lot of people don't know you can be a part of these investments in your retirement account and as you mentioned the slow and steady game of real estate. Real estate does not pivot one way or the other rapidly in most cases, especially in multifamily. So it doesn't mean that there aren't cycles. There definitely are. Uh, but this is, yeah, not the uh, maybe sexy, exciting cryptocurrency space or or something like that. It's just not what real estate is. And that's for some people and not for others. So it really depends on what folks are looking for.
0: Well, and and I think the word I'm going to tease out a little is that it's cyclical and you know you can predict but you're not trying to like I I find a lot of um you know single family units you know you're looking at timing you know oh it's the hot market you're gonna buy and speculate um go to Vegas bet on seven you know it's there's risk whether you know it or not. Um I had a friend who flipped a house and by the time he did the math and paid his taxes um he had earned a whopping 12 cents an hour and i was like dude and you know the irony is he sold the house and then the market got really hot and the next person made a big gain on it and i'm like real estate should not be a game of timing in my opinion i mean you got the capital you got the patience go for it but you got to have nerves of steel because you know you're leveraging and and investing in something so now, l- let's talk about areas because I think this is one of my favorite conversations. Yes, um, a lot of people want, you know, to drive past the the property they've bought. Um, I've worked with a lot of professional investors, and I want your take on this. You know, there are good places to invest, and there are close places to invest. Um, what would you say to somebody who says, "I need to drive past my building"?
1: I would first validate what they're saying. I definitely can understand the. We were talking about empathy before we got recording, right? I understand the need for seeing, you know, what you're owning and feeling that maybe sense of tangible control um, that you can monitor. You know uh, that that makes perfect sense. And my mantra is: live where you want and invest where it makes sense. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Up until six months ago, we had eviction moratoriums from COVID. I understand the spirit of the law. We don't want a whole bunch of people out on the streets without question. And a lot of mom and pops had a very hard time paying their mortgage without income coming in because folks knew, even some abused the system, that even though they were gainfully employed, they didn't have to pay rent and there was no consequence These are business risks that we need to take into account. So I went a little bit down a rabbit hole there, but in my mantra, and one of the great things about working and investing alongside professional operators like myself is we're doing extensive market research to find where are the best markets to invest and get that return, job growth, population growth, household formation, and tenant and landlord laws that are balanced right we're not looking to kick out grandma if she doesn't pay after three days we also aren't looking for the los angeles scenario where it may take nine to twelve months to evict a non-paying tenant and unfortunately some people take advantage of the system in addition if i if you could indulge me just for a second we're also very focused on buying in areas where we can find older apartment buildings And residents really want and can afford renovated product. So we're not in the business of, ooh, there's a lot of demand here and there's not a lot of supply. And we can just go in there and buy something and jack up the rent and not provide any value. We want to provide value and provide a scenario where residents are really excited to pay a little bit more a month for a refurbished um, apartment unit. And that's very specific to some markets, other markets. People just can't afford it. And we're really not interested in entering markets and putting people in a financial pinch it just doesn't feel good. It is not the go-giver way in my humble opinion.
0: I, I love that. And I think that that's good business as well. But I mean, yeah. the reality is you you use the word value. Most landlords are talking about raising rent and optimizing, you know, the the language is really not nice. You know, it's, you know, how many do we evict so that we can get a better, you know, uh, what's the word gentrification? You know, we're going to up-level the neighborhood. Um, it sounds to me like you're you're finding, because one of the things I believe is that your tenant is your biggest asset if you do oh, commercial, you know, it, it, you got to take care of them, right?
1: Oh, well, and that's the beautiful thing about this industry, because if your tenants are winning, or we call them residents, then so are our, our so are our investors. We're on the same side of the table, right? Because to your brilliant point, our biggest expense as apartment complex owners are people moving out and us having to do what's called a turn, you know, painting, redoing the floor, you know, fixing little things here and there. Not a full renovation, but just what a classic turn getting ready for the next resident to move in. That's incredibly expensive. So if we're smart business people, and we are, We focus on keeping our residents and making sure that they're so happy that they're trying to bring other friends and family into the, into the complex as well. And we're knocking their socks off with how attentive we are with, you know, addressing any repairs concerns they have or any safety, you know, any number of things. So it feels good. It feels really good.
0: Well, and to me, that's part of it is it feels good. Yes. Good return on investment, But more importantly, you sleep at night and and you're making the world a better place. Uh, So what are some of the things? So you you talked about how you kind of pick the neighborhoods. Um, What are some of the things you come in and do that that fosters that sense of community?
1: Yes. Well, we work with a property management firm, first and foremost, that aligns with our values as well. So. They are the type of people that if they're driving down the road, I'll give you a tangible example. One of our properties in Alabama and a resident is having to walk to a repairs and maintenance shop for his car. He doesn't have his car. He's getting it fixed. It's a hot, sweaty day in Alabama. And the property manager sees the resident walking. The property manager is going to you know, pick the person up and drive him the rest of the way to the uh, repairs and maintenance shop. Little things like that make a big difference, right? Because you're not just a number on a spreadsheet. And I'm out here in LA, so I am not boots on the ground in Alabama every day. But my property management company is, and if they have the heart, the go giver mindset, the uh, the compassion and empathy to you know run the property well, but also care about people and align with our values, that is the number one way we can make sure that we create these communities. And then also, as you mentioned, you know, we have uh, little events on holidays, we, uh, we even come together and do charitable events, we donate and gather food for the lo- local food bank. Um, all of these things are very impactful and make our residents feel like not only do we care about them, but they, uh, they know their neighbors, they feel wanted, uh, and that they belong.
0: Well, and I think from a just a human point of view, if you make people feel like they belong, you know, they're going to make a comment if they see somebody vandalizing. They're going to say, hey, this is my home. You know, you want you want those residents to care. So if you don't care about them, guess what?
1: Exactly. And, you know, I'll give an example of one of our properties in Indiana. It sits on a beautiful lake. And part of, and this is the other reason having a great property manager is so fantastic is they have the vision of how to tangibly put different things or create areas on a property to create and foster that community. So instead of the lake, just being the lake, we created a walkway around the lake and put in benches. Maybe it sounds, you know, maybe kind of out there, but this is how, you know, people take a lovely walk at the end of the day and they bump into their neighbor and they Sit down on the bench and have a conversation. Little things like that can really make a huge difference in helping people feel like this isn't just a house or an apartment; it's a home for them with a community.
0: Yeah, and home is the word you want. You want them to belong and to care for it, because that's one of the things you know. I've I've worked with um, investors where they deal with you know short-term rentals and you know when I was a, a youngster, I actually used to do those moves. My my job was literally the painting and the cleaning oh. and we'd have units turning over every two, three months. And, you know, at the ripe age of 18, I was like, why are we doing this? Like, you know, cause the kind of people who move every two months, they're not taking care of the place. And, you know, when you move, there's extra dents in the paint and, you know, it's the hallway starts to look shabby very quickly. Whereas, you know, we, we, this was not my call, but the management said, you know, we're going to go minimum year leases. Right. Um, just that little decision made a huge impact on the caliber of, of tenants.
1: I can definitely see that. Wow. That's good firsthand experience. You know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: I've been that guy doing the painting and the cleaning and going, what's wrong with people? Oh, No.
1: yeah yeah
0: i i actually saw one i'm not kidding i don't know what kind of dog it was but they locked a very big dog in the basement for way too long and the dog literally ate through the drywall like the basement was just destroyed and i'm like there's nothing to paint there's no drywall left
1: yeah yeah
0: And, and you could see the dog the bite marks I don't know what was wrong with the dog, but clearly it was in there too long and and hungry. But um, yeah, you you can see some things. So um, I I love what you're doing now. What are some of your favorite areas? Because I don't want somebody to come and say, well, I'm looking to invest in L.A. And if Amy's not going to invest in L.A., she's not my person. Um, Where are your favorite places to invest right now? And just for everybody listening, this is right now, not advice from Amy. This is just (laughs) people talking about what Amy does for a living. So
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'll give you three of my favorite places right now. Indiana. A lot of people are like, wait, what? Indiana? Yes. Indiana. Incredibly business friendly state. Um, also very balanced and fair between landlords and tenants. They have a biotech healthcare life sciences, um, boom not only just in indianapolis in evansville in jeffersonville out in fort wayne uh northwest indiana as well it's a really powerful state we happen to own in evansville ourselves so that's south um western um indiana the third largest city in the state and the government's investing and this is something i always look for investing in infrastructure in the state bridges roads When the government is investing their own dollars in infrastructure, it's usually a good sign that the economy is going to be strong. Like it or not, government dollars make a big difference in jobs and and how local economies do. It's just what it is. So that's when- Infrastructure
0: is that key word, right?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, in Evansville, for example, they're changing just a two-lane highway linking Evansville to Indianapolis to an actual freeway. That's a big deal, that's a big connector, right? Uh, Indianapolis is a, is a very powerful economic hub and for a city like Evansville to be linked there and for people, good services, all of that to be able to move more easily, really good sign.
0: I love it. And, and I think what I'm hearing is, you know, your approach is long-term community. So infrastructure is critical, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and again, we're looking for if infrastructure is is um, happening, it, it is growing, is improving, private companies also know this trick and want to locate there. And typically, these new jobs or relocations have higher salaries. So that means our residents are more affluent. They're more able to and likely demand nicer units. And As many may know, or maybe not, building new construction in the United States, new apartment buildings is incredibly expensive and doesn't happen that often. So taking existing 1980s, 1990s apartments in a given market when the economy is right and the residents are earning more money, it's a great time to renovate and give people what they're looking for. So we're really looking for that alignment of what residents want, what our investors want, what's going on in the economy for that perfect scenario.
0: Now I'm gonna ask you a question. I don't know if you'll wanna share the answer, but the question is how many, roughly, how many variables are you looking at when you pick a community? Cause this is where I'm gonna to say to those people who are like, oh, I can do it myself. I'm gonna bet you can't. So how many variables does Amy and her team look at before you say, yes, we're gonna buy this building?
1: You're very astute. We have a spreadsheet of 25 different data points. Yep, you're very astute. I think it's
0: 30, so there you go.
1: (laughs) Close. And we look for trends. I mean, your point is really, really well made because one trend or one data point doesn't give us a green light to go into a market, right? We need to look longitudinally and then also over time. So if something pops up and looks great, okay, let's see if that trend continues. So. We're definitely very thorough, uh, but we take our time, too, because we want to make sure what we're seeing isn't just a fluke, but is a part of a longer term trend.
0: Love it. And I think that's the key is long term trend, not, you know, I I know people, they'll invest based on rumors and announcements. And, you know, I, I know people that say don't invest until you see the shovel in the ground um but for me i think there's so much more than just you know oh yeah, they built an off-ramp okay that's nice but what's the intention of that
1: yes yes and what else yeah what's what's the trend what else is happening so we call it the path of progress and that takes time that is just not a one-time event so well said
0: and, and again you're looking at that long-term investment um now What's the 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 minimums how how do people invest with you you know do they have to buy the whole building themselves what does that look like
1: Yes so we do what's called a syndication and if you're like me about 15 years ago I never I had never even heard of such a thing but the securities and exchange commission and we're heavily regulated by them I think it's a good thing because it protects yeah. people allows us to pool money together to buy these apartment buildings. So typically our minimums are anywhere between 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. The reason those are our minimums is the SEC actually limits the number of people we can have in these projects. So just a quick math and about half of our investors utilize retirement accounts, not from their current employer but from previous ones, kind of a long drawn out thing on how that works um, to invest alongside us. So lots of options, and we love to be able to give folks options so they can tailor to their goals.
0: Right. Now, I'm Canadian, so I'm going to try to speak American for a minute, but that's like the 401ks and the Roth accounts.
1: Correct. Yeah. So many people in the U.S. have, yeah, a 401k. And unfortunately, employers have a tight relationship with Wall Street. So typically, employers mandate stocks, bonds, mutual funds, in their 401k retirement account. But the trick is once you leave that company, the IRS allows you to do what's called a rollover and you can roll that 401k from the previous employer into an IRA and the IRA can be self-directed. You can find a custodian that allows that and you can do physical gold and silver. You can invest in businesses you can do private lending and you can also invest in a real estate syndication so a lot more options at least on the us side with those retirement accounts
0: and honestly i think for everybody listening you owe it to yourself to at least ask the questions because you know i i'm going to just say i'm a little cynical that you know wall street has the the main street people's best interest at heart you know it's it's all about their bonuses and their commissions and you know again i i'm a little more practical i like the physical things you know um i'd love to have a a stack of gold bars in my in my vault you know it's uh i grew up watching scrooge mcduck and i always wanted (laughs) to swim in gold
1: coins (laughs) like swimming in his coins yeah
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, uh, I'm now old enough, I realize not practical and probably fatal, but you know, you can dream, right? Um, I love it. But at least, you know, a real estate and apartment building, I can walk up and touch it. And, you know, maybe that's an annual pilgrimage to to say hi to your building. Um, now, I don't want to offend anyone, but if somebody wants to invest in what are the three worst areas, the ones that Amy is like, no, just no, um, we joked about, you know, calling somebody's baby ugly. Um <laughs> What are some areas that, are just because of all of the complexity, the landlord laws, things like that, what are your three no-fly zones today?
1: California, for obvious reasons. We also, I mean, aside from the laws, we don't have positive population growth. Uh, Not a lot of companies relocating here. Most of it is an exit sign leading to other areas. Um, New York, the same thing, both the state and the city, unfortunately. Um, and I did talk a little bit about Atlanta. <laughs> I love Atlanta. It's an amazing city. I am not saying it's not a good city, but unfortunately um, some of the issues similar to California where um, it's tough to evict non-paying tenants. And again, I'm not talking, oh, you're five days late with your rent. We're going to kick you out. No, no, no. Five we're talking months. about six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months of, oh, you have the ability to pay, but you know the game that is afoot. Um, and uh, it's just really tough to create, again, a community, because the type of people that are willing to kind of cheat the system probably aren't the best neighbors and maybe aren't taking the best care of their... So we care about our own bottom line, but we care about the experience of other residents who are you know having to interact with folks that maybe shouldn't be on the property. so. It's unfortunate, but it's the world we live in right now.
0: Well, I, I actually dealt with one uh, one of my clients was a real estate investor. They owned a single family dwelling and they found out that their tenant, their pain in the butt problem tenant hadn't paid rent in three years and they just knew the system and they'd waited out until the sheriff came and finally, you know, but they just dragged it out. And in the meantime, they destroyed the property. Yeah, and. And this client of mine happened to own the property next door. Well, guess what? That tenant moved because they were sick of dealing with the jerk next door who, you know, let their dog bark all night or rev their engines and, you know, let their motorbike idle in the driveway. So, you know, it's that community piece.
1: It is. It really, really is. And it's it's a delicate balance.
0: And I'm I'm getting the sense from you, Amy, and, and this is my word, so nobody put this on Amy. But if you wouldn't want to live next to somebody, why would you want them as a tenant?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know there is something to get a little California woo-woo on you all. There is something energetically, right? Where like minded people do tend to come together. It's just what it is. Um, people can understand when they come to visit the property what other residents are like what's the energy what's you know how are people treating their their apartment how are they treating others and um people with like minded values tend to congregate in that way so um you know the the other extreme is you know i've had some people invest and they're like oh i'd never live in that apartment complex okay but it doesn't mean it doesn't work <laughs> for some people you don't have to invest in just something you know you would live in but um in terms of people, yes, I, I think we can be um, idealistic and say we we want the right people, and we've proven out in our business that that's definitely possible.
0: Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, people are people. You can read them. You can get a sense of who they are. And you know, I think there's this adversarial default relationship. You know, oh, the landlord called. I must be in trouble. And it's you know, whenever I've rented, I've always. You know because of my early career in in painting it's like okay um just so you know i'm the guy who's going to call you if if the front of the building needs to be repaired or you know if people are tripping on the carpet um you need to have people who care
1: yes perfectly said it's it's so important it's just part of this business
0: now amy i could talk to you all day you know that just About the go giver community, but I want to be mindful of your time. Um, Where can people go? Somebody's watching this and they go, Oh my God, Amy is the person I want to get to know. Where can they go to learn more about working with you and your husband and your team?
1: Sure. So I post daily on LinkedIn, 365 days a year, with the intention of being a go giver with information, uh, with tips and tricks all about this space. So you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously message me directly there. And of course, my personal website of silvascapital.com where you can learn more about this business in particular.
0: Awesome. Now you're the expert at being Amy. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't?
1: Oh, what a great question. No, you're an excellent interview. I've been on a lot of podcasts and you definitely have a gift for that. I know we were talking about some of your other gifts before we we got going, but you are a multi-gifted man, Jeff. So no, this is outstanding. Thank you so much.
0: Well, Amy, I want to thank you for being part of the GoGiver community and for taking time to hang out with me today.
1: Thank you so much. This is great.
0: to your wellness.